solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment, a new week of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team in the Houston Texans every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy, Hickman, super excited to be back for a Monday, not a victory Monday, but a Monday edition of Locked On Texans. The Locked On NFL Draft Podcast relaunches. Today, with a brand new host, Eric Crocker, who brings the player scouting. Ryan Tracy will bring the analytics. So follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on YouTube, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast. And we will dive into a couple of things today. Cody, what is on the rundown today's show? Well, on today's show, of course, with this being a recap of the Texans 31 to 21 loss to the Cleveland Browns that took place on yesterday. John and I are going to give our, what you like to call them, John, MVAs, most valuable MVAs. And that could be rather somebody on the coaching staff or, of course, the players out there on the fields. And then we're going to close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans just looking at the debut performance of Davis Mills. You know, we're going to talk about the good and we're going to talk about the bad. But first, we're going to talk about what was a terrible day, not just for the Houston Texans, but across the league the in general. League. Yes. So many injuries. And before we start talking about the injuries, really quick, John, can you just give the listeners and people watching on YouTube some numbers of what Absolutely. they need to know about what took place during yesterday's loss in Cleveland? Absolutely. Before we talk about the what the fugly type of Sunday throughout the NFL, the Houston Texans did lose. Sunday's matchup against the Cleveland Browns, 31-21 in a game. I'm calling a series of misfortunate events due yes, to sir. the amount of injuries that took place. Yeah, due, due to the amount of injuries that took place on Sunday in that game. Before injuring his hamstring, Tyrod Taylor, man, he had a day. Mm. He goes 10 for 11 from the field, 125 yards, one TD through the air, and 15 yards on the ground. The Texans rushed for a combined 82 yards on the ground and one TD on the day. Tyrod Taylor's replacement, rookie Davis Mills, entered the game for Taylor in the second half, going 8 for 18 with one interception and one touchdown. Houston's leading receiver was Brandon Cooks for the second week in a row with 78 yards on nine receptions and one TD. On defense, Houston was able to get after uh, Baker Mayfield twice on yesterday uh, yesterday's game. Before getting hurt, Justin Reed had himself a day with an interception and a forced fumble. Houston with 7-13 on third down, 7-1-3. Houston with 7-13 of on third downs, 2-for-2 two two in the red zone, and allowed only one sack to a Browns defense. That carries Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, and Malik Jackson up front. So you guys got to know that with these NVAs, that O-line will get mentioned. But, you know, Cody, as you mentioned, the injuries – from yesterday. At one point, the Houston Texans were the clear better team. Oh, yeah. Right? It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't wavering. Uh, by the way, Andre Roberts should be cut. Uh, he, I don't. I hope he didn't come back to Houston. But um, <laughs> but yesterday, I'm, I'm joking. He did make it up with a big reception. 
towards the end of the game. But yesterday, Houston looked like the better team. And then it seemed like the injury bug. You go down. You go down. You go down. You go down. Do you want a card? No, you go down. And it took the mojo away. When you have your starting quarterback who goes 10 for 11 from the field, 125 yards, he's making plays two weeks in a row with his legs, getting outside that pocket, willing and dealing, making smart decisions. He goes down. At one point, Laramie Tunsil was down. It just was one of those days where everything that can go wrong went wrong, Cody. Yeah, and I also want to mention this, and even though this isn't locked on Browns, Cleveland sustained quite a bit of injuries as well, especially Jarvis Landry. He went down with a knee injury, and some are saying that it might be an ACL injury. So, you know, just give everybody one a quick list of the number of players that went down. In total, the Houston Texans had nine players who sustained an injury on yesterday. Six players did not return. Those players were Tyrod Taylor, Danny Amendola, Anthony Eclair, Nico Collins, Terrence Mitchell, and of course, Justin Reed. Some other players who got banged up just a little bit, but did manage to return to the game. But you can tell that that they wasn't 100%. Laramie Tunsil, John, as you just pointed out, Charles Aminahu, and rookie Roy Lopez. By the way, uh, Kamu Grugier Hill went down mm, uh, another for a guy moment yesterday as well. And, and, and he was having a phenomenal game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I just so wanted to throw so that out. So that actually brings the total to 10. I forgot about that one. John, appreciate you on that. You know, this is a loss where, John, to your point, everything that could go wrong for the Texans went wrong. But the only thing that really went wrong for them was the injuries. And I'm looking at two injuries that hurt the Texans more so than anything. Of course, the Tyrod Taylor, I do believe Taylor was on the verge of having one of, if not his best career performance. John, what was his numbers? He was 10 for 11 in the first half. And how many passing yards did he have? Like, I know it was over 100. 125. Man, and the one thing I liked about Tyrod Taylor, going back to last week, David Cully mentioned that He wanted Tyrod Taylor to make quick decisions because the Texans and everyone knew that they were not going to be able to run the ball against the Cleveland Browns like they did against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even though Taylor had a pretty good debut, he was holding on to the ball just a little bit too much. And when you have Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney on the opposite side of that line of scrimmage, it is very important for your quarterback to get rid of the ball quickly. And that is where Tyrod Taylor made a big difference for this Houston offense. And I also want to mention, I think the biggest injury for the Houston Texans this game, with the exception of Tyrod, is Laramie Tunsil. Because when Tunsil went down, and although he did come back to the game, he did not he get his normal snaps. And when he went down, he wasn't 100%, which means that offensive line wasn't 100%. Which means, if for you guys to go back and take a look at that game, the Texans' offensive line in that second half gave up a lot of pressure, especially when you have an unproven quarterback like Davis Mills in the pocket. I don't think this game is anything to be too upset about. It is concerning because no. a number of these guys it, – it's, it's only concerning only because a number of these guys may not be ready for Thursday's game against the Carolina Panthers. As we sit here literally hours after Sunday's loss to, to, to the Cleveland Browns, Tyrod Taylor's already been ruled out for Thursday's game. 
And at this point, nobody knows who's going to be the starter under center. No, I don't care what what, what David Cully said after the game. It's not going to be Deshaun. It's, gonna be, it's not going to be Deshaun. <laughs> no, it's not going to be Deshaun. And for you guys who Come did on, not man. get an opportunity to see, uh, after the game, somebody asked David Cully, is there a possibility Deshaun can play on Thursday? And he said, we shall see. This game, was, look. It was, real quick, that was David Cully's way of saying, just shut up. Exactly. Just stop asking me these damn questions. It ain't gonna happen. Uh uh-uh. uh, but John, this game is nothing to be too concerned about except for the injuries. Yeah, um I, I was watching that game, man, and uh, you know, last week the conversation that we had was if they win this game, does that change? the momentum or the trajectory or whatever you want to call it for the Texans uh, this season. And we, this, what we agreed on was we both saw them lose in this game. Uh, it depends on how they lose. And if they do win, then this is a totally different team from what we thought and what a lot of people thought. And halfway through that game, I said, well, hold on now. This may be a totally different team than what we thought and what a lot of people thought. Halfway through that game, I said, hold on now. They may win a couple of extra games. And halfway through that game, I thought to myself, we really underestimated the roster that was put together and the coaching staff that was assembled for this team. And then halfway through that game, bodies drop. And I don't, I don't mean to say that to be, you know, funny or anything. But, you know, to your point, the concerning part comes from we don't have a full week here in Houston. Houston has to go play football on Thursday uh, against a very good Carolina Panther team. I can't wait to talk about them just a little bit today and, and then, of course, throughout the rest of the week. But Houston has to go get prepared for a game on Thursday. That's in 72 hours. Your starting quarterback is down. Your backup is a rookie who is a rookie. Like, not one of those rookies that looks like a pro at times. He's a rookie. Uh, Larry Tunsil, he's going to need his rest. You know, Nico Collins, your rookie receiver, you're already thin there. So, like, it's, it's a lot of things that come into play that will make you say, damn, this is very concerning. But as the loss – for the loss itself, that was a very good loss. And mm-hmm. I know that may sound like an oxymoron, but there were some things Houston did in that game that – you know, the only reason why they lost the game was because people went down. And I'm proud of that team where they fought even throughout the end. Uh, they did a very good job considering the circumstance. Injuries are a part of the game, but injuries do suck. Hey, Texan fans, this is your boy. John Some Sports Guy Hickman with an incredible app everyone who buy gas needs to know about. Get Upside. Hey, my listeners are making up to $0.25 cent for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or baseball for MLB and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. So, listen, that's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. It's a scam. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. And use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or baseball for MLB to get up to 50 cent cash back on your first tank of gas. Some people who drive 
a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cashbacks. Did you guys see what I just said? Two to three hundred dollars a month in cashbacks. And there's no catch. The cashback gets added right to your account. You can just cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal or e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. So just download, <clears throat> excuse me, just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or baseball for MLB to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN for NFL and baseball for MLB. Welcome back in, Locked On Texan listeners. I am, you know, super excited about this team, man. I'm, I'm Well, maybe excited isn't the word to use, but proud. Uh you know, I'm, I'm I'm king of walking back statements, and I thought this was a game that would go either way, and it was. But, you know, a few weeks ago, what we saw the last two weeks, I don't think that was a team that we were expecting to get. And if oh, you guys uh-huh. don't remember, uh, uh, not too long ago, the conversation was, why haven't they announced the starting quarterback? What's up their sleeve or? You know, however you want to call it, but uh, proud of how this team fought. On yesterday's game, let's do a quick recap to discuss a little bit more of what we saw on Sunday. I want to say this, guys. Up until the midway point through the fourth quarter, Texas run defense was uh, amazing. They held the Browns to 90 yards into the fourth quarter. Um Considering the Browns' offense, the Texans' defense did a good job. When you look at how that offense is set up for the Browns, the Texans held them to 90 yards, like I said, all the way up until that midway point through the fourth. Remember, the Browns hadn't had the ball for a period of time, almost about a half a quarter from that last time they touched it in the third to the fourth quarter when they got it back. But the Browns are not a team that you want to have the lead, that you allow to have the lead when you go into the fourth quarter because if they have that lead, they're going to run that ball down your throat. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, when you hold them to 90 yards and they have the lead and they know that you're without players and it's not going to be a real game unless they kind of botch it a little bit, they're going to hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So, you know, kudos to that Texas defense, that defensive front seven. They did it a hell of a job. When you look at – if you just take away what they did in that fourth quarter – how many teams can say we held this Brown team with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to under 100 yards? It just so happened to get the ball back uh, and give Nick Chubb the ball. And by that time, the Texas defense was just wearing out. But my MVAs for Sunday's game. We took the loss, 31-21. But understand this. And I mentioned that defensive front four carries Miles Garrett. Former Houston Texan Jadavion Clowney, Malik Jackson, a defensive tackle who has had six or plus more sacks in the season multiple times. Malik Jackson has been a problem in the league as a defensive tackle. And we know how great Miles Garrett is. He's generational. One sack didn't come from either one of those guys. Came from Grant Delpit, the second year safety out of LSU, who's finally on the field, able to play football now. Shout out to him, man. He's a talent that I have been waiting to see. And that came on, honestly, that was on Davis Mills for not sensing that pressure. 
No, but that was not on Davis Mills. That, that was, was on Marcus Davis. Cannon. That was that a blown was on, block. That was on Davis Mills. We could Marcus agree Cannon, Maybe I got to go back and look at the play. Maybe I got to go back and look on the play. But Marcus, Marcus didn't have nobody. If I remember that play correctly, uh, Burkhead flared out. And I thought he should have chipped him a little bit. And Marcus Cannon blocked down, mm-hmm. uh, which allowed Grant to come straight in. Okay, but okay, that, maybe I'm wrong then. But but that was the only sack of the game. And it, it came from neither of those guys. So my NVA, front, the front five guys up front, Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, who had himself a day once again. He's on my Pro Bowl watch. Uh, Justin Britt, man. Hey, a, a, a godsend for Houston at that center position. Just so much more feistier, nastier than what we saw to Nick Martin in previous years. And he does give Houston a different edge. When I look at Larry Tussle, I see a player that's very smooth in his game. Larry Tussle is a smooth player. Sometimes you forget he's out there handling business the way he's handling business. Like he had Miles Garrett in a chamber at one point. He's just so smooth. Uh, and then Marcus Cannon looked good. Last week he played about, I think, 60% of the snaps for Houston. Uh, he's getting back in the game forms, but he looked good. And Max Sharper, who's continuously growing, he looks good. You guys got to understand, man, James Campen has been godsend for this team simply because he's able to allow them to get better. And I'm not going to keep being a dead horse, but they're a part of my NVAs for this game. Also, when you walk outside of that, and you smell fresh air, when you get out that, when you get outside of that Bill O'Brien correctional facility, because you've been locked down for too long, <laughs> you smell that air, you want to go out there and make some plays, man. And Tim Kelly, for the second week row, actually, he got fired week four last year. Uh, I don't know. But for like 17, 18 weeks of football time, Tim Kelly has been showing why he has never been a problem. It was the other guy. And, you know, he had great plays last week. But you want to know that stuck out to me? That reverse screen TD to Philip Lindsay. The way he's moving guys around with pre-snap motion. The way that he's moving guys around uh, in, in, in motion. I mean, I'm sorry, not in motion. During the play, he's causing confusion for the defense. And that's amazing because when we look at this team and the setup, Cody and listeners, we don't really see too many clear-cut number one, two, three, four guys in the league. And that's fine, right? That's fine. But when you are able to schematically win, uh, this is something Dan Orlovsky talked about on ESPN throughout the week on NFL Live and First Take about his issue with the Giants, how Jason Garrett doesn't schematically win games, how Jason Garrett doesn't schematically put his players in the best best uh, best best position to win. And and for Tim Kelly, when you look at a, a, a wide receiving core led by Brandon Cooks, who had another great game. But your next best receiver today was Nico Collins, who had one catch for 32 yards. Uh, then you look at Chris Conley, who really hasn't came into form here in Houston yet. Danny and Mendola, like these are the weapons that you're working with. And no disrespect to them, he's making the most out of what he has. And, you know, he's a part of my NBA two weeks in a row. I love it. Everything he's doing because there's a reason why he was kept around. And honestly, I look at it like Nick Casario and David they probably understood that it's hard to it's hard to really 
take off in a toxic work environment. This guy's been taking off. Uh, my last NVA, who I believe was Houston's defensive MVP for yesterday's game. It just, I don't know if you can give an MVP to the team that lost, but Justin Reed, two weeks in a row, interception. Two weeks in a row, causing turnovers. Two weeks in a row, proving that in his contract year, I should be in Houston. I should get an extension from this team. I've been through the ups. I went through the down. I'm going through the rebuild. But during it all, if I'm healthy and I'm on the field, I can make plays. And that's exactly what he did. Overall, I have to give an NBA to the offensive lineman, Tim Kelly, and what he called plays. Here's what we may not even, we may have not even thought about on yesterday. Did you guys notice how he was attacking Denzel Ward early in the game? Like exploiting Denzel Ward? That's something that your offensive coordinator needs to have in his back pocket when he knows there's a weakness on the other side of the field, Cody listeners, and he's going to attack it. That's a part of the reason why he is a part of my NBAs. And Justin Reed, like I mentioned, man, that guy just had a great game up until his injury, doing everything he possibly could for Houston on the defensive side of the ball. Hmm. And um, Justin Reed, he actually went down with a knee injury at the time of this recording. There is no update on whether or not he would be able to play Thursday against the Carolina Panthers. But, John, you know, you mentioned nearly all of the MVAs that we can hand out for this game. I actually going to give a, a give a, a MVA to Tyrod Taylor, man, because prior to his hamstring injury, that man was balling. Like I said in the first segment and like what I wrote about on the Texans wire doing my three takeaways, this guy might've been on the verge of one of his best performances of his career. 125 yards in the first, in the first half throwing 10 for 11 in the pocket. Come on now, man. That, that is, <laughs> That man was putting on the show. But to me, John, for the second week in a row, my biggest MVA is Lovey Smith. I don't know what it is about this Texans defense, man. But, you know, going into this game, one of my one of my biggest keys to victory was victories was whether or not the Texans could stop the run. And yes, Tyrod Taylor put on the show in the first half. Yes, Davis Mills did keep them in the game once he settled down and he started to make plays as what as an NFL quarterback. And John, to your point, the offensive line was good, even better in the first half prior to Laramie Tunsil going down with an injury. But John, when I take a look at this defense, man, you mentioned Justin Reed, but it wasn't just Reed. Every defensive player across the board was stepping up. Rather, that was getting a Christian Kersey and Kamu Grugier Hill looked amazing together. Yes, they, they also did. made Zach Cunningham look like the odd man out. Yeah, we're gonna we gonna that's touch a conversation on conversation for another time. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we're gonna touch on the Zach Cunningham situation on tomorrow's show because apparently he did not play the first quarter due to um some type of punishment, some type of locker room issue issues or something like that. Um, so we're gonna you know save that topic. Was the issue covered too? Was the issue <laughs> dropping back in coverage? Maybe, maybe we don't know, but it was like locker room issue issues. But going back to my point, John, you mentioned this when you was talking about Tim Kelly, that there are coaches who need to put their players in position to succeed on the football field. And that is exactly what Lovey Smith is doing. Um, Jacob Martin had his first sack of the season. And that is a result of Lovey Smith switching him from a linebacker to a defensive end. And, John, going back to last season, that is something you and I kind of played with just a little bit, what a position change could do for Jacob Martin. And we are finally seeing it 
in Lovey Smith as him being the Texans defensive coordinator. And by the way, how many how many rushing yards did the Texans give up against the Cleveland Browns? What was it like 150 or something like that? Yeah. Last season, they gave up a total of 231. Entering the fourth quarter on yesterday's loss, the Texans only held the Browns to 95 yards. I wanted to bring that up because that showcased the difference and how important the coaching staff is for this. No more exotic defenses. No it's more exotic, exotic defenses and no more guys, to your point when you talk about Tim Kelly, no more head coaches saying it's either my way or the highway. And this is part of the reason why I love David Cully as the Texans head coach. Not only is he changing the culture within that locker room, but he is allowing position coaches. He is allowing his coordinators to go out there and coach. For the second week in a row, my biggest MVA is Lovey Smith. And by the way, he's working without a talented, a generational talent on the defensive side of the ball. He has good players. He has like a number of solid players, but there's no generational talent. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. Which means, listen, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and TV shows in all one place, okay? And the best part about it, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV life together. It's a mess with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. I also want to let you guys know about Bill Bar with the best flavors for a protein bar has to offer. Nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone, literally. Whatever you like, whatever your poison, pick it. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, go ahead and get that mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy, Two, most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. Betting on the Houston Texans doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Best podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get the daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Best podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. Cody, we have to close out with Davis Mills in the preseason, offseason, throughout the entire process. We mentioned if at any point, we see Davis Mills on the field. <laughs> it's gonna be some trouble. Oh man! With with, with the pa- well, I'm sorry, with the Carolina Panthers three days away, it's gonna be some trouble if he's the starting quarterback. I'm gonna tell you why. Who's behind him? Do you oh, bring? Do you, do you call up your boy Jeff Driscoll? Who's behind him? Do you look around the league and scout other quarterbacks that you can bring in? Now, the obvious answer. Or the obvious, well, why don't we go? It's Cam Newton. And to Cam Newton's point, 
you know, I definitely believe Cam Newton has a shot to be on somebody's NFL roster. And God knows I think Cam Newton is better than Davis Mills. But to Cam Newton's point, in that interview he had with his dad, he mentioned no matter where he goes, good or bad, his aura is going to be distracting. And Davis Mills, I don't think, is a quarterback that can afford distraction. I don't think he's a quarterback that benefits from distraction. I don't think he's a quarterback that when distraction is going on, he can still thrive, right? So when I look around the league and I look around uh, who, who's available at quarterback, you have to look at Trace McSorley, Josh Johnson, Nick Mullins, Brett Hundley, Matt Barkley, Shane Bouchel, UT, uh, Sean, Sean Manning, Ryan Griffin, and Nate Suffolk. So there's players out there aside of what you may believe or not believe in Jeff Driscoll that Houston can bring in. To, to back up, excuse me, Jeff Driscoll, because to your point, number four ain't walking out on that field to play football. And when I say number four, I don't mean Daniel House. Deshaun Watson is not walking out on that field. David Culley, you can miss me with all of that. If if Deshaun does walk on that field, I'm going to pick a random person to buy lunch for. You know, that's my thing. I'll do that. But he ain't walking out on that field. So they got three days to get prepared. Bring somebody an obvious answer. The smartest answer is to really bring back Jeff Driscoll because he already knows a little bit about what your system is, the players around him, and your expectations for how the team, uh, how the coaching staff wants the team to be. Um, to that point, John, I do have an interesting theory on why the Texans should bring Cam Newton in, and it goes beyond him and his talent as a quarterback because, yes, he is the best quarterback if they do bring him in on that roster. But I'm actually going to save that conversation for tomorrow. But looking at Davis Mills, just looking at his performance and what was officially his debut on yesterday, if I had to grade Davis Mills' performance, I would give him a solid C. I know that might be too high for some of you guys, but you got to mention that Davis Mills was literally thrown into the game. And once again, this is a rookie who, let's be honest, he should have stayed in college for another year, for another season. Yes, the first couple of drives did look bad. But once he was able to get into a rhythm, and by the way, the veteran leadership of Brandon Cooks actually helped him get into that rhythm that he was able to close the game out on a really good note. And not only Brandon Cooks, Justin Britt as well, you know, there were veteran guys pulling Davis Mills to the side, telling him to calm down, you know, just go out there and play football. And that is what he did. And that is why he closed out the game better than how he started. But John, when you look at the totality of, of Davis Mills's play on yesterday you have to be somewhat encouraged about what you saw out of davis mills is he a guy that you want to see starting against the now 2-0 carolina panthers who looked damn good on yesterday hell no is he a guy i feel is ready to play quality football on the nfl level hell no and if it was up for me, and if it was up to me I still believe that this should be a red shirt year for Davis Mills because, once again, I was able to see the talent that I saw through our OTAs, through our training camp, through our preseason. But at the same time, when you go back and look at some of those throws, especially some of the throws that was uncatchable by everybody, 
you can tell that this is a guy who still needs to learn how to play the game of football on the NFL level. Davis Mills has potential, but it's it's regardless if Tyrod Taylor is injured or not, it is still too early to put him out there on the field because, John, like I've been saying ever since we drafted this young kid, the one thing you don't want to do is put him out there on the field too early. It ruins his confidence, and then that's going to hinder his development. Yesterday, like I mentioned, if I had to give a grade, I would give him a solid C. Once again, I know that might be a little bit high to a lot of people out there listening and watching, but when you take a look at his performance after guys like Cooks, after guys like um, Justin Britt was able to talk to him and kind of like bring him down, just go out there and play football, you saw a better version of Davis Mills. And by the way, I do want to mention he did keep the Texans in the game. It's not like he went out there and all hell broke loose. He did keep the Texans in the game through a touchdown pass to Cooks, and that actually brought the score, I believe it was 21 to 24. Um, I think it was either late in the third or early in the fourth. And he seemed like a quarterback who's going to develop into what Tyrod Taylor is, which is that quarterback that is a game-managing quarterback that's going to win you the time of possession. So, look, it's the first game. I'm not going to kill the kid because once again he's still young has a lot of improvements but i think he i think he did okay i think he did okay houston texans have to get ready for the two and on carolina panthers that features a defense with brian burns Derek brown and shaq thompson i'm johnson sports guy hickman follow us on twitter once again we're back <laughs> at locked on texans we got our page back so follow us on twitter at locked on texans like us on Facebook, but above all, go to YouTube, subscribe to the Locked On Texans YouTube channel, and follow me on Twitter as well at some sports guy with two eyes. If you don't know how, right there at the bottom, baby. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.